Hello, I'm Mike Browning. Welcome to Let God Speak. Some people think the body is merely a vehicle for the soul, but the Bible teaches that our bodies are temples for the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit alone can grow our spiritual nature and sanctify our lives. So today we'll search the scriptures to understand the importance of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life. Well, people on our panel today, we have Gail Fong and Alan Fisher, and we appreciate you being part of our panel today. Thank you very much for coming. We'd also like to invite everybody to join with us in prayer before we open the scripture. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord God, um, for the wonderful way in which you have revealed yourself and your truth in the Bible, in the scriptures. And I pray that your Holy Spirit, whom we're talking about today, May guide us as we read it, please, and speak to us personally. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. Now, I have some dear family members who are convinced that when they die, they're going to leave their body and be transported off to a much better frame of living. What do you think about that, Gail? Well, according to the Bible, that is actually not not the correct interpretation at all. The Bible says in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, it says, for the wages of sin is death. And that's not life. <laughs> and, and death is not a reward. Uh, so it's actually, it's, it's a very sad consequence of sin. Yes. And um, but there is a promise. The Bible goes on further. It says in the same verse, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Mustn't so, forget that. <laughs> so so we, we can't forget yeah. that there is a promise of eternal life, but it's not automatic. OK, and we're going to talk about that. Thank you for that. Um, it does. I mean, when it comes to, you know, my family members who have these fond views and there are many others who do, um, if it makes them feel a little comforted at the loss of a loved one, is it all that important, Alan, do you think? Well, actually, it's a lie. And lies are always serious. We can't um, put our heads in the sand over such a matter. The Bible's clear that at the resurrection, it'll be the resurrection of the whole person if there's mm -hmm. to be life after death. Let's look at um, Job 19, and we'll start at verse 25 and 26. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at last on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another. Okay, so he really believed in a resurrection, didn't he? Certainly. In his flesh he was going to see God. That's really fascinating. Yeah, yeah. All right, thank you for that. And... Um, I also notice that in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul talks about the very same thing. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16, he describes the coming of Christ and the resurrection. This is what he says. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. So that's the time when it happens. Then we who are alive and remain 
shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. So um, the last generation of people alive, believers alive, don't actually die. Um, but they're the only ones who don't. No, thanks for that, uh, Alan. Um, it's a lot to look forward to. Amen. But it's a resurrection is what it takes. Yeah, thanks for that. Um, there are many Christians and very earnest and honest Christians who believe that the body is simply a, a vehicle for the immortal soul as they see it. Um, what does the Bible teach about that, Gail? Well, in the, in, the, in the Bible, in the New Testament, in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 16, the Bible says that who alone has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to whom be honour and everlasting power. Amen. So reading the verses before, it's talking about God. And this is God. Only God has immortality, which um, means that we actually don't. We are mortal, which we can find over in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse uh, 53. There is a time that will be given when we will have immortality. And that is what you had read before in Thessalonians. And here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse uh, 53, the Bible reads, um, for this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. Mm, the corruption so, being a reference to our being a sinner, being yes. sinners by nature. When that goes, then God can risk the gift of immortality on us or give us that wonderful gift. So that's good. Thank you for that. Um, it's such a blessing to be able to know that. What a wonderful thing. Look, um, I'm still I'm over in Thessalonians again in First Thessalonians chapter five. And there's a scripture there I'd like to read. First Thessalonians five and verse 23. Now, this is an interesting statement, and I think that we need to, to talk about this. Chapter 5, 23. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, um, as in sanctify, make you holy. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So um, this, this is a confusing one for some people. Alan, what is it saying? Well, it's saying that we're not um, separate parts, but we're all aspects of a whole person. See, it says to sanctify you completely, mm-hmm. and it mentions your spirit, soul, and body. So we're not different persons in one body, but we're a complete whole, totality. Okay. And these are different aspects of our total being. No, thank you, Alan. That's clear enough. Um, appreciate that. Jesus was a perfect person, right? So he was clearly developed in all of these areas, all of the facets of our character. Um, where do you see these in the scripture, however, Gail? Well, if we go to the book of Luke, uh, Luke chapter 2 and verse 52, uh, we do see here that Jesus has all these aspects of life and development in him. And the Bible says, and Jesus um, increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and and men. So right here, we see four aspects, four dimensions of um, 
Jesus' uh, life here. And there's wisdom, stature, God and man. Mm. And so here, Christ's life was um, a, a perfect balance of all aspects uh, that made up his perfect personality yeah. and wisdom or, or his mental capacity, his mind, he had a, a, a healthy mind, his mind developed um, it, with the laws of, of human nature. Yeah. Physically, he grew, he grew from babyhood to manhood with, in, in line with the laws of nature. Mm -hmm. Spiritually, he he was God, but he was also 100% man. He had a spiritual mind, yeah. but he also had that social aspect and he had meaningful relationships. He interacted In with others. In favour with God and men. That's yes. Yeah. So he had, um, he was, a, he was a, a perfect dimension of, of all these aspects. Yeah, yes. you know, thank you, Gail. That's true. He was a, his was a, a balanced and perfect life um, yes. as such. Um, you would think that he'd have made up, um, Alan, he'd have been a beautiful child um, and to know and to interact with. Um, you can only just imagine that, can't you, as a perfect child? Yes. <laughs> yeah, well, um, Alan White in the book Desire of Ages, page 68 and 69, says, Jesus manifested a peculiar loveliness of disposition this is speaking of when he was a child. Yeah. His willing hands were ever ready to serve others. He manifested a patience that nothing could disturb and a truthfulness that would never sacrifice integrity. So Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit, even from a child. Okay, and, there was, and his was a beautiful character. Um, he'd have been lovely to have been a friend of if he were a child at the same time. Um, they were very privileged children, weren't they? those in Nazareth who grew up with him. Yeah, so thank you for that. I'm going to read a scripture now from 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Um, we're moving on now to the, the role that our bodies actually do have, in fact. So, Gail, I've got a, a question to put to you after I read this verse. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16 and 17. This is what it says. Do you not know that you are the temple of God? that the Spirit of God dwells in you. If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. Serious words. For the temple of God is holy. Which temple you are? So you are the temple of, of God. How do you understand this, um, this particular question? Um, what is he saying? What is it saying here? Well, it's saying that our body is not just a vehicle for the soul, but it's the temple for the Holy Spirit of God. Um, in 1 Corinthians, again, chapter 6, we read in verses um, 19 and 20, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So, this is what gives us spiritual life if the Spirit's yeah. in us and enables us to um, have the power of God to, to work in us, to change us and mm. grow us and make us holy people. And he actually dwells in us. That's what it's saying, isn't it? Our mm. bodies are a temple for the Holy Spirit. So um, it's not an immortal soul that we're carting about, as it were, in our bodies. No, we're a whole person and the Holy Spirit by 
um, our invitation graciously dwells in us and gives us a spiritual life. As you said, Alan, thank you for that. Um, it's quite an amazing thing. Um, so the Holy Spirit can change us, but there are some people who think that the power of positive thinking, um, changing your environment, um, you can, you can be, help to be transformed by that. Does it help, do you think, Gail? Well, obviously that would help if we're avoiding places where uh, we're seeing images or we are in the association with those that would lead us to think of things that could bring us down morally or okay. uh, mentally yeah. uh, and make us more vulnerable to temptation. So it would be wise to avoid those places. But the problem of sin in humanity um, can only be solved by the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. And And Paul writes about that in Mm. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, and he puts it this way. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So Mm. that renewing of the mind is only the work of the Holy Spirit. That's so true, isn't it? Um, so, Alan, if I can just pursue this thought a bit, a bit more, if our surroundings and environment are not our major problem, um, can we be specific here and put our finger on what the problem really is? Yeah, well, Jesus made it clear what the problem is. If we look here in Mark 7, starting at verse 21, He says, um, for from within, out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride and foolishness. All these come from within and defile a man. So the problem's within ourselves, isn't Mm. it? That's a very nasty list that Jesus gave, actually, didn't it? Isn't it? Certainly. But a very true one. And uh, so, yep, so as you say, the problem is within ourselves. So I want to go back to Romans 12, too, that you drew our attention to a moment ago um, there, um, Gail. Verse 2 um, says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And um, there's something very important here that's being said to us. Well, it's easy to conform to the world Mm. because it comes naturally. So the the need to be born again, the need for the Holy Spirit's indwelling. And it's easy to go with the flow. But to have that inner change um, inside of us, in our hearts and minds, that can only happen. Uh, it's a miracle. It it's the transforming power yeah. of the Holy Spirit because yeah. I, cannot, I cannot change my thought pattern myself. I can try very hard, mm. but I cannot. Uh, it will be because the good that I want to do, I just won't be able to do it, even if okay. I'm choosing to do it. Of course. Only the Holy Spirit can do it. Yeah, okay. And, we're going to, uh, we're going to come back to that. That's the powerful promise. Um, because I'm sure there are many others who are struggling with those thoughts. Um, I'm going to turn just for a moment to Hebrews 8, verse 10. Hebrews 8, 10 says this. This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write them in their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Now, the Apostle Paul here in the book of Hebrews is actually applying that to believers in the current day where he talks about writing his laws 
in their hearts and minds. Alan, what does he mean? Well, the Holy Spirit in our minds, um, through the Holy Spirit in our mind, God gives us a, a love for what's true and right and holy. So he writes his law in our affections and in our thoughts. And remember in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus um, broadened the meaning of the commandments to the level of our thoughts. He did, didn't he? Thank you for that. Intentions, mm. yes. Yeah, no, that's a good thought. He did indeed. Um, Gail, I'm going to ask you, because our, it's our thinking process, as we've said before, you know, we, we, our whole life basically is lived in here. Um, we, we therefore need some help with the things that we think about so that they're wholesome and good and uplifting. Yeah. Um, can you give us a scripture that we can claim a promise? We need a promise here, some help. Um, Gail. Yes, certainly. Uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5, it's a wonderful promise here. It says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Mm -hmm. so it's very powerful, the work mm -hmm. of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and minds as I allow God to do this work in me because okay. I cannot do that. Okay, and this is the point, isn't it? It's the Holy Spirit who must bring our thoughts into captivity. Yes. And that's a good promise to claim. You know, we can just say, Lord, um, bring my thoughts into captivity to Christ right now, please. You know, and, and the Holy Spirit will do that. Yes. So thanks for that. It's a very powerful promise. In fact, I don't know a more powerful promise in dealing with what happens in here than that one. So thanks for that, Gail. It's a beautiful picture that he's been giving, giving us here. Um, I'm going to read a scripture still in um, chapter... Hang on a sec. Where did you just read from um, then, Gail? You were in 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5. I want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. If you can join me with that, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 16, because I think this that we've just been talking about, about the Holy Spirit bringing our thoughts into captivity, I think that this, um, this scripture here in 1 Corinthians 2, 16, throws some light on that. This is what it says. Um, 1 Corinthians 2, 16, where are we? Which says, For uh, who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him but we have the mind of Christ. Alan. Well, as the Holy Spirit moves in our mind, there's a miracle and um, it takes place. It changes us into the likeness of Christ's character, just what God intended when he first made human beings before sin came in, yeah. transformed into Christ, God's own image. Having the mind of Christ. Now, these are the thoughts of Christ, aren't they? that we're talking about here. And I think that's a powerful promise too. And it definitely connects the two. Um, Gail, um, so we see that the Holy Spirit is our front line of defence against temptation, against the, uh, the, the temptations of the evil one himself. Um, we shouldn't be surprised if the devil tries to neutralise the power of the Holy Spirit in the lives of God's people, Gail, should we? 
Oh, no, we shouldn't, mm. because that would really hinder um, the work of God yeah. and, and um, transforming us into his likeness. And there's a, prom there's, a, there's a verse in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8, which says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So he, he's actively busy and he's been actively busy down through the ages <laughs> to turn us away from God. <laughs> and, um, and there's many teachings that have arisen to block the understanding of the Holy Spirit. Yes. And uh, there, are, there is a teaching that denies the, the um, actual personhood of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> or uh, others emphasize his gifts over his transforming power. Mm -hmm. But he is very much God and he very much is the third person of the God yes. in all his power. He is. Now, at this point, I want us to turn to Acts chapter 8 because there's a very interesting event and the story takes place here. Um, indeed, uh, Acts chapter 8 and uh, Alan, I'm going to read from, well, I should probably read verse 9 first of all. Um, they were down in Samaria. The Samaritans and Jews were not good friends. Um, but here are, they, here are they telling the story of Jesus and the people respond, which is exciting. Verse 9, there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming he was somebody great, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the great power of God. And actually Simon responded to the message of salvation and was baptized. <laughs> That's interesting. And, and, the, but, and then something very interesting happened. Verse 17 of chapter 8 says, they, the apostles, laid hands on them, the people baptized, and they received the Holy Spirit. And there were miracles and the people spoke in different languages and so on. And Simon was really taken by this. And Simon, when he saw through the laying on of the, the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money. Um, this is interesting, Alan. So he offers them money. And what he wanted was that they would give him the power to confer the Holy Spirit on people. That's amazing. What did you think about that? Well, it was outrageous, wasn't it? But he was tried to offer money to buy a gift from God. Mm. And um, the real issue was that Simon was seeing the Holy Spirit just as a power, just as something that could be bought and, bought and sold yes. and used for his own personal gain. But you can't buy the person of God. The and Holy Spirit the point, is God. Yeah, yeah. As Peter had to tell him, your money perish with you. Because that's right thought yeah. that you could purchase the gift of God with money. Mm, uh, the story does, it does go on to say that Simon um, was a bit taken aback at that. And so hopefully he made things right. But it was a problem, all right. Um, so the Holy Spirit can't, clearly can't be bought. Um, that's clear. But can we have the Holy Spirit still in our lives, Gail? This is the important point. We certainly can. And in Luke chapter uh, 11 and verse 13 uh, in Jesus own words here it says if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him we can just keep asking because it's a daily infilling of the Holy Spirit it's a daily Spirit. thing yes it is it Thank is a miracle that. Mm, that is so it is true. a gift 
No, that's, that's uh, very, very true. Um, if, you know, some people, like genuine Christian people, are confused about whether or not the Holy Spirit is a person or a power. Um, how can we be sure, Alan? Give me a scripture here that's going to help us to be sure about this question about whether the Holy Spirit's a person. Well, we can go to Galatians, Galatians 5, 22 and 23, where it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. So these um, things that we've mentioned, goodness, peace, long-suffering and so on, these are the attributes of a person, not of a power. That's the significant mm -hmm. thing, isn't it? Yes. yes. Only a person can give love, joy and peace and give you good character development. I mean, that's quite clear. So these are the attributes of a person and that's who we're dealing with here with the Holy Spirit. Now, we're going to have to move along here a bit, a bit now. Um, I'm going to go down a little bit. I'm going to come back to you, Alan. I'm going to read 2 Peter chapter 3. And I'm going to read verse 13 and 14 here. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 13 and verse 14. Um, here it takes our minds forward to the great day when God will recreate the earth and remove sin and all the results of it. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which dwells righteousness. And then comes this little challenging thought in verse 14. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found in him in peace without spot and blameless. Without spot and blameless. What does this tell us about the importance of the Holy Spirit, Alan? Well, yeah says that we need the Holy Spirit to work this miracle in our hearts mm. and minds. That's the only way we can be described as without spot and blameless. Isn't that so true? Yeah. It's only by the Holy Spirit. No, that's true. And uh, we're so blessed that that promise is there um, to do that very thing. Um, finally, I'm going to go to Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 7, folks. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 7. And uh, this is like our take-home point at this stage, Hebrews chapter 4, and reading now at verse 7, this is what it says. Again, he designates a certain day, saying through David, today, after such a long time, as it has been said, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. All right. If you'll hear his voice today, do not harden your hearts. So what contribution is that making to us with our study today? The, the time of salvation is always today. Mm -hmm. Today is all we have. So every single day of our lives makes a difference. Mm -hmm. So why not invite the Holy Spirit into your heart and minds today? Okay, thank you so much for that because that's how we can be transformed. We've mm -hmm. said this over and over today. Um, the Holy Spirit is an essential. He's not an optional extra. We must have the Holy Spirit in our lives and I'd encourage you to do it, as you said, Gail, today from mm -hmm. that scripture. We're going to have to close there, folks. Um, we can only be spiritually active, as we've seen, if we are filled daily with the Holy Spirit. This involves a surrender on our part, um, a surrender of ourselves, our will, our wants, our desires, then the Holy Spirit will fill us and transform us and empower our lives. 
Well, we're glad you joined us today on Let God Speak. You can watch all our past programs on our website, 3abnaustralia.org.au. You can email us on lgs at 3abnaustralia.org.au. And we'd like to invite you folks to join us again next time. And God bless each one. listening to Let God Speak, a production of 3ABN Australia Television. To catch up on past programs, please visit 3abnaustralia.org.au. Call us in Australia on 02 4973 3456 or email radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. We'd love to hear from you.